The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Whistler While You Retire. I'm Tim Whistler of the Whistler Agency. When I engage in conversation with folks about the transition into retirement, I absolutely love listening to them describe their ideal retirement. You know, what trips are they going to take? What new adventures are they going to try? When are they going to learn a new hobby? Since most people plan to live a long life in retirement, it is important to establish streams of guaranteed reliable income. We've talked about that before. But on the flip side, if you are going to plan to live a long life in retirement, what also must you plan for as you age and face the possibility of longevity? Joining me today is a gentleman who is a nationally recognized expert on longevity planning. He has been featured in Smart Money, featured on Fox Business, and the Wall Street Journal with an article recently published just last month. He is celebrating his 30th year in the business and runs his own practice in Durham, North Carolina. He is the Director of Training and Development for the Certification in Long-Term Care Designation. He was my trainer as I was going through the curriculum to earn my CLTC designation last July. And it is a tremendous honor to introduce to you President of Comfort Long-Term Care, Mr. Bill Comfort. Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Tim. It's great to get to be with you and get to have this conversation uh, about this subject. So this is a pleasure and, and uh, I'm glad to get to be here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You know, one of the thing, one of these times we're going to have to do is get this on our calendar is share a round of golf together. And because uh, I've seen that in great. your bio. So <laughs> I look forward to that. I um, don't claim to be a good golfer, but I do enjoy the game. So then we will have a wonderful round together because that's exactly the way I am too. So, <laughs> right. So congratulations on 2021, you know, being your 30th year in the business. I, that is just a tremendous milestone. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, I mean, it hasn't snuck up on me obviously, but it sort of surprised me when I realized in early January and kind of thought, okay, oh, well, this is it. This is the, this is my 30th, 30th year in, in the business. And, I, I, I've enjoyed it. You know, I've done many different things. And in the 30 years, 21 of them now have been focused almost exclusively on this longevity planning and, and long-term care insurance subject. And in some ways, I think that surprises me even more than the, the big number. Sure. No, totally get it. And, and when I read that in your bio, I started thinking back you know, where I was 30 years ago. And if I'd have known then <laughs> what I know now, <laughs> as I was coming out of, you know, college and getting my degree 30 years ago this year, I would not have waited 12 years and, and tip my, you know, dip my toe in corporate America <laughs> before opening my practice. So, uh, so again, congratulations. What a, what a great milestone. So, Thanks. you know, on piggybacking on that, if you don't mind, just kind of share a little bit about, you know, your background, kind of what brought you into the business. 
Yeah, it's a great question. So just very quickly, my first career was uh, journalism. I have a journalism degree. Uh, I spent the first 10 years of my working life as a working journalist, uh, mostly TV, radio, documentary, uh, directing and producing. Um, I had my first kid uh, and realized I wasn't making a whole lot of money, kind of glamorous. It was certainly fun. I liked that business. Um, but there wasn't a lot of upside, at least without becoming kind of a army lifestyle, moving all over the country to the next bigger market. And um, that's when my dad, who was in the insurance business his entire career, started talking to me about the insurance business. And it was my dad who recruited me to the insurance business. Um, and I started like many folks do, you know, calling everybody I knew who was around my age, late twenties, early thirties, um, to try to sell them a little bit of life insurance as I was doing my training, mm-hmm. um, spent a couple years doing that, joined my dad's practice with two other partners that was primarily employee benefits and, um, was a member of that firm throughout the 1990s, um, I, I discovered I didn't really like employee benefits or group insurance. Didn't suit me. Didn't suit my personality. Um, I developed an early specialty in disability insurance, which kind of created a natural transition to long-term care insurance in the 90s. And one of the senior partners and I started working together with his older clients uh, on that. And I realized that I really liked the long-term care business. It was new. I could kind of be an expert, you know, kind of a big fish in a small pond in a way. Um, And I also had figured out over my first 10 years in the business that I'm just wired much better as a specialist than a generalist uh, in terms of, you know, advising and financial services. And that's where 99, 2000, I made the pivot to completely focus professionally uh, on long-term care, which is what I've done since. Awesome, very, very cool. I tell you what, what, what a great transition. What, what a great story of success. And, and uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time um, is really quite simple because it can apply to just about everything. And it goes: the more you know, the less you fear. And so, you know, for our listeners today, what what Bill and I are going to do for you today is to help you better understand the importance of how to plan for longevity and how to help translate what is really a foreign language to to many people, you know, but for others who might be listening, they may already be somewhat familiar with what can happen because of spending time caring for mom or dad or a spouse. So, so Bill, let's just kind of kick things off starting to talk about, you know, what long-term care is. So let's start, you know, at that 40,000 foot view, and we'll kind of bring this uh, down to more and more details as we go. Kind of coming from an initial background and interest and specialization in disability insurance, working age, income protection, disability insurance, I like to use that as an analogy. So think of this idea of long-term care, of needing care, needing help, particularly as we age, um, as a post-retirement disability. 
-hmm. Now, it's a little different mm -hmm. because if you're disabled during working years, the financial impact is a loss of income. You can't work, you can't earn a paycheck, you lose your income. And we have disability insurance available to help replace that income if we're disabled, unable to work during working years. Long-term care, especially in retirement, if, you're, if you have a long-term care disability in retirement, you don't lose your income. Your income's coming from Social Security, pension, your 401k, IRA, and so on. And that continues whether you need long-term care or not. But it's a mirror image. Instead of losing your income and your expenses continue, with long-term care and retirement, your income continues, but your expenses go up. The cost of care starts with home care. And Tim, you know, we've talked about this. We'll sort of come back to this I, I, in some detail. But even part-time home care at $4,000 a month, that's like only 40 hours a week of care. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to get an extra 4000 a month? So you don't lose your income, but you have all these extra expenses. So I think first think of it as a type of disability. Definitionally, long-term care doesn't mean you can't do your job and earn a paycheck. What it means is you can't personally, individually, safely get through the day anymore. And we measure it, again, not by inability to work. We measure it by either needing physical help, those ADLs like bathing and dressing, mm -hmm. or supervision because we've got a cognitive mental uh, impairment. We think of things like Alzheimer's dementia. It could be a stroke or a, or a head injury that's there. So very broadly, long-term care first is an impairment, a disability, the need for help that most commonly happens as and when we live a long life. Mm -hmm. Makes makes perfect sense. And, and, and I love that. That's kind of what I jotted down. And when you were talking a few minutes ago about, you made that comment about the natural transition of disability into long-term care. And I love the way you phrase that. I've, I've used that again, for, for those of you listening in, <laughs> this man was my instructor for three incredible days as I was going through the CLTC and I couldn't write as fast as I needed to, to jot down these, these phrases and, and these, these, you know, ideas, because this is exactly the language you're trying to help people understand because in our mind we're retired, right? We are going to enjoy life. We're going to go through life and see the grandkids. We don't think about something like that happening. So it truly is so vital to understand what long-term care is. Um, you kind of alluded to this a second ago. Let's drill a little bit further down now when it comes to the impairments, you know, mm -hmm. some people think, okay, well, I have, you know, like, for example, let me back up. What's the difference, for example, of, you know, long-term care and regular health care, for example? Right. And, and, and they often get blended because the term long-term care is used to describe a lot of different services, both short-term, long-term, skilled, custodial, and so on. But for the purposes of, of this conversation, particularly focusing on what is needed to be planned for and is not commonly enough 
planned for. Long-term care means basic helping care just to safely get through the day. A another term that's used is custodial care, non-skilled helping, making sure you're safe with those physical activities like bathing, dressing, transferring in and out of a chair, for example, or having some kind of a cognitive impairment where you need somebody around to make sure you're safe. Um, so that's long-term care. It, it's helping at that level. Healthcare, which is what Medicare is and Medicare pays for after age 65, healthcare really has to do with what we might call in comparison, Tim, short-term care. Health insurance, Medicare, medical care is designed to step in when we would have what's called like an acute event. You, you get pneumonia, you get the bad flu, uh, you fall and you, you, you break your arm or you break a hip or, um, you know, a, a stroke or heart attack. Those are all acute medical events that need immediate attention. It needs immediate skilled attention, doctors, nurses, therapists, to step in to fix you and then, you know, kind of help you recover, help you rehab. But in the context of this, why don't we call it um, uh, retirement health care broadly? Mm -hmm. Medical care is part of it, but so is long-term care. And long-term custodial helping care is not covered by any of those other things. And, and that's really the... The, the crux of this issue right here. But, you know, healthcare, medical care, health insurance, Medicare, those are designed for short-term recovery services. Long-term care is when you need help for months and years just to safely get through the day. Makes perfect sense. You know, it's that's one of the things you and I have very, you know, similar backgrounds. Obviously, I don't have near the, the tenure that you do, but in, in educating and counseling folks on Medicare. And a lot of people have that perception, oh, I've got Medicare, I'm going to be fine. You know, that's up to us as professionals to help them, like you said, understand there is a significant difference between short-term and long-term. And, and Medicare, like you said, Bill, perfectly is that short-term benefit from Medicare because they only cover up to 100 days in a skilled nursing facility if we're there. Yeah. And folks say, well, won't Medicare cover 100 days? Well, even if it does, and by the way, most people, the average length of coverage for Medicare in a nursing home, which is rehab only, skilled rehab only, the average days that are covered is only about 21 days. Hundreds yep. the maximum. That's just the maximum possible. But but Tim, think about this: is a hundred days maximum? Is that short term care or long term care? <laughs> that's short term care. Yep. However yeah. you slice it. Yep, that's exactly right. You know, it's interesting too with the average number of days because when you look at the details under the Medicare Advantage plans, when it comes to copayments for skilled nursing. A lot of them will segment the the days in a skilled nursing facility from days one through 20 and then 21 through 100. 
So right. it's very interesting that you kind of that you mentioned that because normally those first 20 days are covered, you know, usually at a zero dollar copayment or a smaller copayment right. for Medicare. But but right. I, I I love the way you you focused in on that because I think that's so important for people to understand that having Medicare is the short-term answer for our hospital and our doctor visits. The long-term care, like you said, is for when we need some custodial care, you know, a chronic condition, you know, type of thing needs to be managed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are some, and I know a lot of folks think too, when it comes to long-term care, and I, this was a visual that I had when we were going through our training. A lot of people think of when they hear the phrase long-term care, the image is the image of the nursing home facility. Walking in, everything's very sterile. Everything's very white. It has a certain odor to it, if you will. Um, there's a lot of people kind of sitting around and milling around. And it took me back to my days in high school when my father's mother, my grandmother on my dad's side, was in a facility. And she had her health had starting to kind of deteriorate. And, and, you know, my grandmother taught me so many wonderful things. And I have just f- such fond memories of her. But in her last few days here on earth, that's where she was at. And I just think about that, how the, I didn't like, I did not like being there. You know, I did not like right. seeing grandma there. And I think that's a lot of times where people, you know, define what long-term care is. Well, I don't ever want to have that long-term care because I don't want that happen to me. Right. So I, I think it's important that we understand at this point, you know, let's talk about the different levels of care because yes, skilled nursing home care is one of the things that's featured in long-term care planning, but let's talk about the other different levels of care as well. Yeah, it, it, the, the story is interesting and it highlights, I think, what happens in everybody's mind when they hear about this subject, see a headline, have a, a, an agent or an advisor like you or me, Tim, you know, <laughs> raise the subject, hey, we, we really ought to talk about long-term care planning. And naturally, most people imagine picture, remember, going to visit grandma, uh, a, a, a nursing home, a very institutional uh, place, very unattractive. Um, it, and it's no wonder people don't want to talk about the subject. Yep. I mean, even if, even thinking about getting this kind of care and, and being able to stay in your own home, no one wants to think about being disabled, being infirm, impaired, limited in their function, just like nobody wants to think about dying, you know, too early in their life or even becoming disabled during working years. And I think that's just a very natural aversion to the subject. Mm-hmm. To your point, if you only think the subject is nursing homes, it's even easier to uh, mentally and emotionally reject uh, a proper engagement in a in a planning conversation, you know, Tim, with you um, to understand how it could impact retirement and what sort of plans can be put in place. It's it's easy to dismiss that way because it's so terrible. Yes, and and here's. Here's something that I like to say, and I'll, we, we can kind of expand on this, but long-term care, the need for care starts long before you're flat on your back, unable to do anything. Whether you're flat on your back in a nursing home, 
or flat on your back at home, unable to do anything, that's that would be long-term care. That would be severe. But but the the problems, the impact, the the need for planning for care starts long before that. So kind of before we get into that kind of continuum or progression of how a long-term disability or impairment evolves, let me say this, because we were talking about nursing homes. 80% of people who need this long-term custodial helping care, 80% of people in America who need long-term care are getting it at home, Mm -hmm. not in a nursing home. Very interesting. Now, 80% of the caregiving for people at home is coming from family, spouse and kids primarily. Not because that's what they planned for, but that's what they're stuck with. Most people, not everybody, but most people, if at all possible, as long as possible, not only would wanna stay in their own home as long as possible, but also your spouse or your kids would like to see you be able to stay at home as long as possible, even if you have some of these care needs. And and that's what families do. They move heaven and earth and their own lives and lifestyle out of the way to take care of those they love, to keep them at home, to keep them out of that nursing home. And, And I think here's a key takeaway. Yeah, we think about nursing homes first, and it's and it's terribly off-putting. Most cares at home, most people want to get care at home. And listen to this. If you do good planning, the statistics show us the claims data from the insurance, which we'll talk about later. The claims data shows us if you make plans, you're less likely to go to a nursing home. So the nursing home fear, even the fear of the incredibly high costs in a nursing home are mitigated by planning. We're not, let me say this and I'll let you sort of take us to the next step here, but planning for long-term care, especially using long-term care insurance as part of that plan is designed to keep you out of the nursing home. And I think that that's a really important concept for people to get because it makes it easier, I think, emotionally to engage in the planning that they need to be doing with you. Totally agree. You know, and, and, and on one of the things you had talked about, and we'll repeat it again, 80% of people are receiving their care at home. Look what just happened this past year with the whole COVID outbreak. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that when you and I were kind of talking about our, our conversation we're having right now. And I was thinking about that before. And even more so now, I think people truly want to have a plan to stay at home because they don't want to go to that facility. And then if something like this happens, look look how restricted they were to even see their own loved ones. You know, I've got I've got clients where, where we had to postpone a couple of meetings because they just now had the opportunity to go see dad at the nursing home 10 oh. minutes from their house, you know? Right, right. And, 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 and yes, exactly. The, the, 
the value, I think there's two things that have come out of the caregiving, senior care, nursing home, assisted living, home care options that with COVID, that COVID have, has highlighted with all of that, is not just that home care might be the better option, but good planning gives you choices. Mm-hmm. If you're in a position where you need to leave assisted living and come back home, you can do it. Or if you need to transition the other way, you've got the option to do that. So it's it's both a recognition of the realities of caregiving and, and different services, but also the need to be able to be flexible in making those decisions. Absolutely. As as we come to the end of this of this first episode here, I think this would be a great spot to kind of transition from this first episode. And we're going to carry things into the next one here. Just what are some of the myths or misperceptions do you see that most people have when it comes to long-term care? We've kind of touched on a couple of them, but I think there's a couple more probably out there that we can identify when it comes to the myths of long-term care. Yeah, and, and 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 I think the biggest ones are being overly worried about or focused on nursing homes, the fear of going to a nursing home or the cost of nursing homes. Good planning prevents that. Uh, secondly, long-term care is not being flat on your back, unable to do anything. It starts when you're not safe getting through the day. You might be able to bathe and dress yourself, but if you're a fall risk, balance risk, your spouse, your kids are worried about you. That's when it starts. That's when the need for help begins at a fairly low level where you might still have some independence, but you need somebody around to make sure you're safe physically or because mentally, cognitively, you can't make the best decisions. Um, so recognizing you know, it's not just being flat on your back uh, in a hospital bed. I think the other myth, as, as we as we kind of wrap up this big picture, mm-hmm. is the financial problem of long-term care is not ten or twelve thousand a month in a nursing home. The financial problem starts and is most harmful when you have to come up with just four or five thousand a month for part-time home care to give your spouse a break or to let your kids continue to live their own lifestyle to a degree. And then finally, that connects to another idea. The cost of professional care really follows, doesn't directly follow the need for care. Hiring a home care aide, you don't do that just because you need help bathing and dressing or you're a fall risk, or you have early stage Alzheimer's and you're not making the best safety decisions. Just because those things have happened doesn't mean you're gonna start hiring a home care aide. You hire home care to protect, to relieve, to give your spouse and your kids a break. So the financial cost of care flows from the need to protect to, to provide for your loved ones so that they're not on the hook 24-7. And those are, those are really the, the, the key concepts, I think, uh, to keep in mind 
um, as, as we move to this next, how do you pay for this stuff? Um, part of the discussion. Perfect. So, so well done. And so, you know, I think we're at a good point here to pause and take a break, Bill. Um, so thank you so much for being with us today on this episode. Appreciate you being here. Looking forward to the, the next episode here coming up very soon. Be sure to tune in for the next episode as Bill and I continue this very important conversation when it comes to addressing longevity in your retirement income plan. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Whistler While You Retire. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you're informed when new episodes are available. Thanks so much again for tuning in. Have a great day and we'll talk again soon. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company.